Hi guys, George here. You're listening to Outside Lane by Lane 8 Coffee, bringing you the stories behind the people and businesses inspiring coffee culture today. From coffee roasters to ceramicists, and from furniture designers to bakers. In this final episode of the series, we speak to Emily Holmes and hear the story behind her business, Good and Proper Tea. Emily started the business to solve a personal problem. She found that while cafe baristas carefully poured over each cup of coffee, perfecting their latte art, they often neglected tea and served it without much care or attention. She began by sourcing, brewing and serving her teas from a converted Citroen H van at King's Cross and other markets in London, which she funded through a Kickstarter campaign. Several years later, Emily opened a tea bar in the heart of central London on Leather Lane, before switching focus to wholesale, delivering teas into coffee shops and restaurants up and down the country. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Let's get into it. Yeah, so I... um... I mean, I won't take you back too far, but I am a tea drinker, so I do now appreciate a great cup of coffee, but I um, have always loved a cup of tea and, I mean, essentially my turned my personal frustration, as we all do, from a sort of scribble, frustration to a scribble and then eventually to a business. Um, and what I sort of set out to do in the first instance, street food was kind of just becoming a bit of a thing in the UK. Um, I certainly didn't have the funds to kind of open a site from the off. Um, and I think I also just wanted to kind of dip my toe in and see whether I was crazy or whether there were other people that also felt like tea wasn't getting quite the attention it deserved. Um, and so I bought myself a van, um, a 1974 Citroen H van, um, which was brought over from France. And I went down to a guy's garden and sort of met, met him. Um, and he had pretty much kind of uh, roots growing inside um, so he'd been in a, in a garage for about 20 years I think um, so um, got the, got myself a van I'd spent already a kind of a year or so um, talking to anyone that would kind of listen about it within the tea industry kind of about what it took to produce quality tea I mean I was coming from a standpoint of very much um, just being a lover of tea and a, and a drinker of tea, I didn't know a huge amount about it. I'd been, I'd lived in India when I was younger, so I'd been to um, tea estates, so I kind of understood the production process and I understood the care that went into it. But I certainly didn't know much about kind of, you know, my oolongs from my greens or anything um, more uh, complicated than just knowing a good cup of tea from a bad one, I guess. Um, so I'd spent a very long time kind of identifying producers, being introduced to um, producers around the world, receiving tiny little packets from producers and tasting them and doing tastings with other people in the industry and sort of basically tooling myself up, I guess, to um, to kind of understand what it is that made a good cup of tea. Um, and so the result of that was that then I then had the teas, I had the plan, which was that I wanted to kind of be able to serve a really good cup of tea, which was basically the source of my biggest frustration was that whenever I went out for a coffee in a wonderful cafe like yours, perhaps, um, I was always getting, you know, an incredibly well-crafted cup of coffee um, uh, from someone that had made it very lovingly. And then I was getting a kind of floating tea bag um, uh, as my tea. And so I couldn't, that was the kind of the thing I was trying to solve, I guess. So had my tea, had my plan, had my van. Um, and then I needed to somehow turn the van into the tea bar to allow me to then serve those teas. So 
um, Kickstarter, um, which now we all know very well, I'm sure, um, was a complete unknown at the time. It was only there in the US. Um, and kind of crowdfunding was something that whenever I explained it to my friends and family, they all thought sounded completely mad. Why would anyone give you money you know, in exchange for tea? I don't understand why anyone would do that. Um, and uh, luckily, the day they launched in the UK, I thought, you know, I've got nothing to lose. I'll put my idea on there. Um, I'll record a little video. I'll got my van, I've got my teas, um, and I'll basically just, you know, I guess pitch to the world and see if anyone thinks it's a good idea that I want to um, open a mobile tea van, um, a mobile tea shop essentially, and um, bring those two things together and hopefully give lots of people delicious cups of tea. So I did that, and luckily. Um, Kickstarter got a huge amount of attention when it did land in the UK. Um, people were very excited about the concept of rewards-based crowdfunding. Um, and lots of people, um, it turned out, were also fed up of having rubbish cups of tea. So um, they all gave me anything from kind of five pounds, which was, I guess, the kind of equivalent at the time of a sort of Facebook-like, um, to 50 pounds, which gave them kind of uh, a subscription to six months of teas um, or their name on the back of the van. There was all sorts of different rewards that kind of made it quite fun. Um, and I was lucky enough to raise the money in order to be able to then turn that van into um, Watson, who is an all-single dancing tea bar now. Um, so, uh, so yes, yeah, so it was very much a kind of a team effort from all the frustrated tea drinkers around the country um, to then get me up and running and, and serving good teas. And actually, it was amazing when I was in the van every day that we really regularly we would get kind of someone coming up to the van, even sort of two, three years in, saying, I was one of your Kickstarter backers. I'm over here from the US. And, you know, I would be able to find their name on the back of the van and give them a cup of tea, which was really exciting. Um, but, yeah, the first day we traded um, was probably one of the coldest days I can remember in London. Um, it was the 3rd of December 2012. We were in um, a market called Red Market, which actually is not there anymore. Um, and I had a friend of mine and my boyfriend, now husband, um, and we were essentially doing everything for the first time. We hadn't really done a dry run. Um, and we opened the hatch. We had all our teapots. We had um, you know, our sink and our tap and our water cans and everything. And we were basically opened it and just hoped for the best. Um, and I remember so well the first person we served a cup of tea to, because actually very strangely, about a year later, I discovered him serving me in a shop. Um, and we had this extraordinary moment. Where I said, I know exactly who you are. I've got a photo of you. You're the first person to ever buy a cup of good and proper tea. Um, and he remembered, which was so funny. But, um, but uh, yeah, it was an extraordinary moment. I mean, kind of putting those first coins in the cash box and thinking, oh, my God, I sold something. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of people understanding and appreciating the fact that we were kind of making the tea properly and they could see from the timers that we were doing it in a slightly different way and and then coming back and saying you know yum that was a really good cup of tea that was kind of what it was all gearing up towards so it was super exciting we had some hilarious teething problems like we couldn't work out how to close the back of the van on the first night and um and therefore we were worried we we're going to be burgled overnight for day two um and we also um 
didn't realize that we were, we were kind of washing up every pot as if we had kind of running water from the mains or something so we were my my boyfriend spent kind of most of the day going back and forth from the tap getting new water to go through our filter and then come out the tap that we were then using to wash up pots so we pretty quickly realized that um we had to put the plug in and give them a quick rinse rather than a kind of nice big soapy bath between um between pots of tea but but other than that i would think it was a success <laughs> So yeah, so my my average day at the time, I had a, I was lucky enough to get a pitch at um, outside King's Cross Station along with Curb, which are an amazing street food collective. Um, so luckily, I think from the off, I had a kind of real community around me of people selling all sorts of different things, and I was just you know the tea lady within that. Um, but um, I would I was terrified, obviously, about my very precious van um, in London, so I didn't want to park it outside my flat, so I drove it to a lockup that I'd managed to secure somehow off, I don't know, Gumtree or something, um, which was based in Allgate. So I would I would get the tube at about 5 a.m. and it was only ever me, or whenever it opened, it was only ever me and builders. Um, and I would go with my brownies that I baked the night before in a big tray that was really heavy, um, and my cash box in my backpack. And I would go um, get the tube to Allgate, um, I would then go to my lockup in Allgate, which in hindsight was probably not safe. It was very, very scary, dark kind of alleyway. And obviously at that time in the day, there was no one else around. And I actually once for my first ever event got locked inside my lockup. Um, but um, <laughs> I couldn't get to an event, which was for Mr. Porter. So it was a fairly major first event and I was trapped. I couldn't believe my luck. Um, but um, I, yes, yeah, so I'd go get the van, put all my things inside. I had this funny sort of um, sticky um, matting that I could put on the side counters that I could then put anything I wanted on top of them and they wouldn't fall over while I was driving. Um, and I would then drive the van to King's Cross, park up, plug in, get my boilers up to temperature and then eventually open the hatch, um, all set up, ready for the day, um, ready to trade at about 7.30. So it was quite a long process before I even got there. Um, and then I would be basically standing up in the van until I stopped trading at about five um, and I would occasionally close the hatch um, or ask a nice customer to, to lurk nearby and, and run for a wee in um, caravan which was nearby um, but um, but yeah I was there all day and it was that first winter was as I say I don't know whether it's just because of what I was doing or whether it really was one of the coldest winters but it was absolutely freezing I remember we had kind of I would test out any technique I could to put kind of hot water bottles down the back of my jumpers and um, I think I, ha I would have kind of one to my front one to my back um, those kind of foot warmers in my shoes um, anything I could do to stay warm because obviously I wasn't I wasn't moving a lot I was kind of striding back and forth from the cash box to the depot it wasn't exactly a huge distance um, and I had my music um, and it was it was amazing I mean it's, it's weird to think about it now because I sort of almost don't know if I have the stamina to do it now but at the time I was just so excited you know every cup of tea I was serving was just so exciting that um, that I loved it I loved the fact that people were loving it that they were coming back I loved writing different things on my A boards that I had out in the street um, you know sometimes you'd have hilarious problems like you, your gas bottle would be frozen shut or your for your griddle that you were doing crumpets from or your 
um, once the chalkboard froze over so you couldn't write on it, so I had to sort of pin up paper signs. Um, the wind would come and blow all your napkins away. That was a pretty regular feature. Um, so there was, there was lots of kind of making it up on the spot, troubleshooting, um, and, and lots of boxes and packing up. And, you know, at the end of the day, you then pack everything up, secure everything, tie it all down, put it all on a sticky matting, um, you know, uh, put the boxes back in, put all the packaging away, um, and then drive all the way back um, to Allgate again. And as I say, I used to sit in traffic. And in fact, I used to sit in traffic on the Maribyrn Road which, at rush hour, which was just such a silly thing to have done, but I did it every day. Um, and I would um, usually end up eating the remainder of the banana bread if there wasn't any left on that journey. <laughs> so the 5.30 sort of banana bread fest um, as I sat in traffic. And the, the, I don't know if anyone's ever driven a vintage vehicle, but they are not um, comfortable rides. So um, in the summer when I would sit in traffic, on a leather seat, kind of absolutely roasting. <laughs> um, uh, I would be absolutely delighted to get out of it at the end of the journey. Um, but yes, it was quite a long day. And then eventually, uh, while I was talking about um, being burgled, eventually I thought, this is ridiculous. It's not actually not worth um, the security of the van um, for my sanity. So I ended up um, requesting that I left the van at King's Cross, given that I was trading there every day because um, they had security guards and everywhere because it, it was a building site at the time really um, and I knew the security guards really well I obviously gave them tea every day so I sort of said I'll, I'll leave it and take my chances and security is 24 hours um, and, and I used to then cycle back and forth with my brownies on the back of the bike and that was much better but um, one one night um, well one morning I did arrive and my um, uh, my van had been broken into and curiously all they'd taken because they had to call the cash out of the van um, they had taken two teapots and emptied out all the sugar but only taken the brown sugar <laughs> so I decided that they were maybe very you know kind of refined thieves thieves who had decided they wanted to make themselves something but um, but anyway it was, nonetheless it was slightly upsetting to discover that someone had been inside my van but, but um, probably worse than many journeys I'd say So um, the plan and the vision was was absolutely not wholesale. Um, I was very slow on the uptake with that because um, I just was so in love with the kind of direct customer experience. I loved giving people a cup of tea um, and I loved being the process behind it and then seeing the end result and handing it over to them and seeing them enjoy it. Um, so the vision originally had always been, I mean, it was always a, a tea brand that was probably going to do lots of things, but it was um, creating destinations for tea drinkers. So, you know, in, in theory, that was having kind of multiple tea bars where people would be able to walk in and just like they come to great coffee shops and have a really fantastic experience and knowledgeable staff who will make them a really fantastic coffee hot or cold um they could buy beans to take home etc it was that was very much what i wanted to create for tea and i knew that there was kind of uh, uh, a need for a kind of home for those tea drinkers where they could come and have a different kind of experience and it and it wasn't at all for kind of tea nerds either it was people who would go to a coffee shop 
for their first cup of coffee on the way to work and then they might come and have a slightly different experience which was just a different atmosphere it didn't smell of coffee it was um a slightly i guess a slightly slower experience um and it just had a different feeling um inside while while still being kind of slightly familiar um in terms of it being a kind of cafe um a cafe experience that we know and love so um it was very much about the, the kind of physical spaces as well as kind of helping people then enjoy the tea at home um and over the last seven years um we you know we went from van to a kind of year-long pop-up in old street we then actually had a um a kind of actual pop-up in old street station um and we then eventually found our home in level lane in um clerkenwell um and that was kind of what it was all gearing up towards really it was so exciting to have this um space that was completely ours we'd done tea tastings all over london in other people's homes we'd had these kind of pop-ups and um and got to know customers and created regulars and then moved on and so there was a real certainly for me a real desire to pop down <laughs> um i just desperately didn't want to move again i was done with my box lugging um and um and wanted to be able to kind of create a space that was um uh kind of all that summed up all of the things that we were all about so um i don't know if you ever came into leather lane but you know everything from the trays that the teas were served on to the kind of cups that we served it in we served it in these wonderful kind of japanese handcrafted um cups and everything was designed to you know it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be you weren't supposed to necessarily notice um the the minor details but they would all add up to a, an experience that was kind of good and proper and that was what we were all about and it was all about just giving someone a really great tea experience without it necessarily being scary or daunting or something that you would only do as a one off it was supposed to just be a really nice um a thing that you might want to do during your day um and we were at Leather Lane for three and a half years um and absolutely loved it um and you know we kind of evolved you know as you will know from having a space you know you have to evolve with the location you know you get to know the customers you get to know what works and what doesn't work we did lots of different things we did brunches and weekends and not weekends we had amazing book clubs there and events and um and all sorts of things and we really kind of that space was was much more than a cafe for us it was much more a kind of incarnation of of all the things that we were doing um and all the things that kind of sit around tea um but we in the end along that along that same time frame so that three and a half years that we were in another lane we also had a lot of people approaching us saying would you be interested in supplying our tea um and as i say i was very slow on the uptake for a really long time i sort of didn't think that, that was something we wanted to do i sort of you know i i've always wanted to do everything properly which obviously has now come to kind of underpin everything we do but i didn't want to dip into something that to me felt like a completely different business when it was all about the kind of the customer and um and and the experience and being able to deliver that ourselves but i think over time i realized um i eventually caved for a few customers who i just was really excited by and thought you know well actually if i can help you do your great experience which i love about your place then then actually that's quite exciting and i sort of dipped my toe in and and as i did so i realized that not only was there a, a huge opportunity there was also 
it, it was actually just as exciting as, as doing it ourselves because I think, you know, people like yourselves who are passionate about giving people a great experience. And the thing that we were passionate about was knowing exactly how to deliver that tea experience. And because we had our own cafe, we were really good at that because we knew that actually, oh, well, actually, if you've got lots of takeaway customers, you're going to have to do it this way. Or if you've got lots of sit in or you've got lots of this type of people, this is the menu you might like to have. And we'd, we'd kind of gained all that experience um, and and actually were then really excited to be able to share that with people and, and help them do do that, um, you know, do their tea better. Um, and it come, you know, and the exciting thing about it and where it's kind of continued to evolve and it's been very much become the driving force of the business just because, as I say, we realized how exciting it was as a big opportunity to help people do better tea. But also um, it's so exciting because every single brief is different. Every place is different. You know, your cafe will be nothing like any any other cafe, you know, whether you think so or not, because it will be particular to the locale, it will be different customers, it will be, you know, the different items you have on the menu and all of those things will be very specific to you. So kind of our ability to help you do your tea will, will always be a slightly different brief to someone else's. Um, and that's really exciting. So um, so as that kind of took off, whether we meant it to or not, um, it, it did just kind of become the engine of the whole business. So um, Leather Lane then, it basically, I mean, you know, as well as I do, that retail's super tough and, um, you know, it became more and more apparent. It was it was getting tougher rather than easier in a way. We had a big problem with the local council increasing the market. You then, you know, the amazing shop window that we'd spent a long time and a lot of money on, and suddenly you couldn't see it because there was a chicken stall in front of it. You know, there was all sorts of really difficult pain points. Um, and, and at a certain point, it became clear that I was kind of, you know, the things that we were dealing with, you know, whether from the manager to, you know, part of the ops team to me, were, were having to dedicate headspace to kind of broken fridges or avocados not being ripe enough or, um, you know, uh, the, the chicken stall and campaigning the council and chefs leaving or whatever it might have been. And they were all problems that were really relevant to kind of cafes and hospitality, but not really actually anything to do with me sourcing great teas and delivering fantastic tea experiences or helping others do that. They were sort of, they were noise that was so disproportionate with what we were actually there to do um, and so that I had to make the very very emotional and very difficult decision that actually to do what we want to do as as well as we can we have to make a decision and not try and do everything and therefore we had to let go of the site um, so that was um, a very very difficult moment but actually um, once we got through the very painful experience of actually getting rid of it, um, uh, I haven't looked back just because they've got so much more headspace to focus on doing all the really exciting things that are all to do with tea that we that we always wanted to do and to help our customers better and to kind of you know we're only getting started. That was January, you know, January the fourth was the first <laughs> first time I had that off my plate, and and obviously now we're in a very different scenario. But um, but kind of streamlining the business was probably the biggest learning I've had and um I certainly don't have any regrets even though I you know I miss the space terribly I absolutely loved it but there's no doubt that it took up a huge amount of my headspace um, and probably was therefore weakening the business. If I was to walk into a tea or coffee shop anywhere in the world um it would be 
intelligentsia uh, in New York, um, probably the one on the High Line. Um, and that's actually not because it's the most extraordinary um, coffee shop experience that I've ever had. It's that I, it's a, it was a very memorable moment for me because Intelligentsia are a big coffee roaster in the US. Um, and um, my parents at one point were living in New York. And so I was lucky enough to be able to kind of, while I was um, doing my scribbles um, and my business plans, I was kind of... Um, you know, desperate for influences and references, and, and I used to go into um, kind of all the coffee shops in and around New York, and um, it was the first time, I think probably ever, that I'd gone into a coffee shop um, and asked for a tea and had um, a really good tea experience. So um, they, they did and they still do take a lot of care over their tea as well, but it was the first time that I'd been, I asked for a cup of tea, and bearing in mind that when I started, you know, you would walk into any one of the coffee shops that you now would kind of call real specialty coffee kind of, um, uh, you know, beacons. They they would have had at best twinings on top of their coffee machine. So, you know, that really was how things were six years, six, seven years ago. Um, so I was in New York and I said, can I get a cup of tea? Firstly, I was offered a choice that was quite novel um, and I was asked which of these five or six teas including oolongs and greens I would like um, I chose my tea and they then set about brewing it exactly exactly the same level of care and kind of precision that they had been brewing their coffee for the customer before me um, and I was brought out this beautiful pot of, um, of oolong and sat there drinking it and I just couldn't it was so exciting so I just remember being like it was such an um, uh, kind of uh, an easy experience it was so unpretentious and that was kind of one of the things that was really important to me as well that it wasn't going to be done in a really sort of scary way um it was just going to be presented to me like every other customer in there just as a really really good quality drink that was delicious um and that was the first time i ever had that experience and i remember being very excited they also had a, a citron van parked in there um in the kind of outside seating area um, and I just bought my van so I was very excited um, but so that's got a real memory for me Thanks very much for listening you can find Emily and the team at Good and Property on Instagram This has been Outside Lane we'll be back with more stories in the next few months until then stay safe and see you at Lane 8 soon <laughs>